Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. Welcome to worship with us this morning, Mark. Glad you could be here. Not sure if there's any other visitors or not, but if there is, uh, we're glad you could come. Let's pray. Oh Lord, our Lord, our God, the God of all the earth, we stand before you because you are the answer to all of life. You're the one who has given us life. You're the one who brings life. You're the one who has our lives in your hands. Lord, we just humbly bow in your presence. We claim you in your presence this morning. Bless our worship. May we just be a blessing and be blessed. I pray that you just bring the word to life in each heart. I just pray, oh God, that your spirit would be here this morning. Lord, you can take the word and you can bring it to life in each heart. And so we look to you to do that work. You are an awesome, wonderful God, and we worship you in spirit and in truth. In the powerful name of the Lord Jesus, amen. <clears throat> the church in Laodicea. <clears throat> Yesterday, I was listening to a short clip that a brother puts out that I listen to frequently. And he made a comment that got my attention and got me thinking a little bit. He said, if you have gray hair or you have a bald spot, he said, that means you've been around for a while. You probably have a little more wisdom and you see a few things that others don't see. And I, he said, it's time to speak up. And I was like, oh, what are you trying to tell me? I'm not sure what I'll, uh, I'm not sure what I'll, God really wants me to say this morning. <clears throat> brother that's been here off and on a couple of times over the years that I can remember made the statement, he said, your church is dead. And I, I heard that recently. And I thought about that. And I thought, why did he say that? What caused him to have that view? I'm not exactly sure. I don't know that I can answer all that question this morning, but it made me think, so why? What brings death to a group of believers? <clears throat> and I thought about this church here, the Laodiceans. Maybe we'll just read those verses. Uh, found in Revelations 3, verse, starting verse 14. Read down to verse 22 there. 
And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. Even as I also overcame, and am sat down with my father in his throne, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. A church that is lukewarm, <clears throat> not hot, not cold, but God had no time for it. <clears throat> we see God's response to, the, to, to their idea. Their idea here is, I am rich, increased with goods, have need of nothing. That was, that was in a nutshell, that was their, their concept. You know, they probably looked at the church at Ephesus and said, well, we haven't lost our first love. Um, Maybe they looked at some of the problems the other churches had. You know, the doctrine of Balaam. Uh, they lived with Jezebel. Like, they're looking at this and saying, well, that's not who we are. <clears throat> We're increasing in number. Our church is growing. We must have it figured out. I don't have a need. But do we really have it figured out? What does it look like? You know, the next verse there, he says, my counsel to you is to buy the gold that I'm offering you. But what does it take for that to be there? He said, it's tried in the fire. Well, we don't, we don't like that idea that, that goes against our human nature. Um, but you know, gold coming out of the fire has been refined, and the dross is taken away. And, and so it becomes a, a chunk of gold that is pure, uh, as, as pure as you can make it. But it took the fire to get it there. But he says, if you allow yourself to go through that fire, you can come out the other side rich and with right, white raiment. So there's a reward for going through that fire, for going through that trial. <clears throat> and he says in the next verse, as many as I love, God speaking, he says, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. So repentance is the answer to the need 
of being lukewarm. <clears throat> now, being lukewarm is, is a state of being deceived. A person who is lukewarm generally does not see that things aren't right. They generally will see it as, um, I, you know, I, I'm reading my Bible. I, I'm going to church. I'm, I'm praying. I'm doing all the right things. And so what's really happening is something that person can't see. He's been deceived. He's been blinded by the circumstances, um, by the fact that it's working and, and our church is growing and, and things, you know, things are good, so, so it must be right. <clears throat> but it doesn't make it right. You know, sometimes it's, it's uh, easier for us to see a splinter in someone, a beam in someone else, and, and you know, or the splinter in someone else, so we have the beam. So, so you know, we don't like, like God's really wanting to tell us. We don't want to see it. Because what he, you know, what he, he tells us, if he's wanting us to change something, and I want to read a scripture that, that, that uh, you know, I've used this uh, thought numerous times about God wanting to change us. And I want, we're going to turn to a scripture later that brings us to that point. But, <clears throat> you know, it's, it just doesn't feel good, does it, when we have to die? Uh, our Sunday school lesson talked about the colonel dying. And, uh, and spiritually speaking, we have to die in order to live, in order to have that gold and that white raiment. It brings death to us. To our flesh. <clears throat> I want to read a couple of verses in Second Thessalonians nine, <clears throat> or pardon me, Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine. Didn't say that right. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. <clears throat> well, these verses give us a pretty strong statement. They said they receive not the love of the truth. Talks about being deceived. So how does that play out in our lives? What does it look like? And how can we be deceived and not understand it, not know it? <clears throat> well, I think there's, there's clearly um, things that maybe in our generation we could say it's the first generation that has had to deal with some of these things. Um, and so in some senses 
we're still finding our way through the effects of, of internet, Facebook. These things have a way of dragging us down, of taking us down, and causing us to not really see the truth. <clears throat> I think if we, you know, there's, there's some good things out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say there's no good. But um, I've said already, if I, could, if I could do away with Facebook, I don't think we'd have anything. The only thing we'd lose is maybe a little bit of advertising. Otherwise, I don't think we'd lose much. Um, <clears throat> you know, when we go there for direction, it probably will not end right. And the reason is, is because almost always it is based on something or somebody's opinion of something rather than solid biblical truth. And so therefore it becomes a dangerous avenue for us to go down. <clears throat> now, I am part of a garage door tech group. So basically, if you don't know how to fix it, somebody else has already done it. So I can find it there. Uh, so it's convenient in that way. Um, so there are some useful things. But I think when it comes to getting spiritual direction, if we're going there for a way through something, we're opening ourselves up to deception. <clears throat> Another thing that I think we face, and I've seen it here, I've heard it, and that's the humanism. What is humanism and how do we know it? Humanism is the idea of a way to fix my problem outside of divine intervention. So we're looking for a way to, to have or become something outside of God. A couple months ago, it's probably been maybe three months, I'm not sure, it, it was already cool. Um, we went home from church, and I'm guessing probably some of the rest of you saw it too. So down here on the corner of 16th and, and Central, there was a group there, probably a dozen or so, and they were all carrying signs. And uh, one of the signs there said, you are a good person, God loves you. And there were numerous other signs along that line. <clears throat> so are you really a good person? Why? What's wrong with the statement? When, when you look at the thought of humanism and of, of trying to fix my idea, my problem, my circumstances, outside of divine intervention, outside of God's power, <clears throat> then we come to this concept and this idea that I am a pretty good person. After all, I don't smoke or drink. Um, you know, I've, I've really kind of done what I know is right. But it really didn't change me. 
from the inside out. Those circumstances often take people to the idea of how I can feel good in my circumstances. Uh, what, what makes me feel like I've got it figured out? My circumstances are, are I, I'm changing it and I'm making it work. Um, you know, people come with the idea that, you know, uh, like, like, that, like the people holding that sign said, you are a good person. In, sense, in a sense, they were saying, you know, well, we can help you feel good where you're at. Well, there's a place in which we have to love that person. But at some point, that person has to be challenged with their spiritual standing and who they are before God. <clears throat> Outside of that, we've lost our mission. <clears throat> You know, in so many times, these things take people to a place of confusion. And, you know, this kind of might, might be sort of an extreme example, so to speak. But, you know, sometimes you see, and I've seen pictures of it where, um, you know, somebody supposedly, the spirit was cast out, the evil spirit's been cast out, they're rolling around on the floor, whatever. But you know, if you look at Scripture, you never see that. When Jesus cast the demon out, there was peace every time. It never ended in confusion. And so, when confusion is present, is the Spirit of God there? Not likely. Because He is not confusion, He is peace. <clears throat> it's a part of humanism that takes people to a point where they believed something happened, and it probably did, but it wasn't the Spirit of God. And so there's more deception there, and, and they don't understand what really took place in their lives. <clears throat> Another one that, uh, that can... Uh, can affect us um, that is maybe maybe something sometimes and we've all had to work on this at least if we're married <clears throat> but you know when when couples struggle in their marriage and they don't get along um, most generally when there's trouble amongst brothers it's because they're not getting along at home something isn't right in the marriage, and so it creates confusion. It creates stress um, in church relationships. And so we can get to the place, I think I've maybe said this before, but we can get to the place when that happens where it's like that brother that's back in Ohio, he's a thousand miles away, but he's such a dear brother, yeah, and I really get along with him. Uh, better than I get along with the people that are right here next to me. Um, 
you know, if, if that's our thinking, if that's where we find ourselves, we need to be looking in here because the problem is likely in here. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not out there somewhere. It's likely in here. <clears throat> and so we can, get, we can get to the place where we can develop the thinking and attitude, well, just don't touch me or my family or those that I'm associated with because I have it all figured out and, and, and we're, we're all pretty good. So, so you can do whatever you want to, but don't touch me. <clears throat> these, these ideas can take us there and that closes us to what our brothers and sisters have to say because now all of a sudden I'm closed to, to any outside help because I'm, I'm satisfied with where I'm at. And so, you know, the fact that my brothers love me is a non-factor because suddenly I don't see them as important because I, I'm closed, I have it all figured out. <clears throat> you know, God wants to change our hearts, but we don't want him to. We're not listening to what he's telling us. Now, in all likelihood, I've never said this before, but I've heard it. In a group this size, it's pretty likely that if Jesus came now, not everybody would rise. <clears throat> the question is, how are we going to respond to God? Do we really want the white raiment? Do we want the gold that he wants to give? <clears throat> Colossians 3. I'm going to read about five or six verses here. Verses most of you probably know, or at least part of it. <clears throat> if you then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things in the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. <clears throat> Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Mortify means to do away with. And this is the verse I was referring to when, or these verses, when we talk about God wants to change us. He's saying, do away with the works of the flesh. Do away with these things that drag you down and take away your spiritual life. Uh, 
the challenge here is, he's, he's telling us, he says, if you're risen with Christ, if this is your life, if this is where you find yourself, then your affections should be above, and you should be dead, and your life should be in Christ. And so, he says in verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, he's coming. But do we really believe that? You know, sometimes, sometimes we don't live like we believe that, do we? Uh, we, we live like we still have a thousand years and all is well and, and we're just here indefinitely. <clears throat> but you know, time has a way and God has a way of telling us you're not here indefinitely. Um, you know, we've, we've seen death recently in the last few months. Um, <clears throat> You know, they think about my mom, for instance. A week before she passed away, we were there. We had no clue anything was wrong. You know, those things come so quickly. And God says, if you're risen with me, he said, your life, your old life is dead. But we sometimes don't live that way. But if we could grasp the concept that we will give an account for everything that we've done in the flesh, what's that going to look like? How, how, how what's that going to be? You know, we don't really, we don't really know, but the Bible does tell us that. We will give an account for those things which we have done. <clears throat> What about the things we did in secret? Have we let go of those things? Or are they still dragging us down? You know, those things can be there for years and we don't let go of them. And it just eats away at us. And then when finally we do find freedom, it's like we didn't realize we were carrying that burden. You know, it's gone. <clears throat> and that is what God wants to do for us. He wants to take that burden away. And He wants to bring us to a place where we see Him as the one who is the answer to all of life. <clears throat> he wants us to do away with our humanism of the things, of figuring out a way to make my life better outside of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. We do need other people. We do need others around us. And so don't get the idea that you're going to do this all alone, just you and God. Sometimes you do need other people. So, so that's where our brothers come in. But <clears throat> do we see them as important? That's the question. You know, do, we, do I see the people around me as those that can bless me, encourage me? And, you know, when I'm discouraged, they can bless me by saying, here, you know, take heart. It's not all lost, but we don't want to go there. We like to figure it out on our own, especially us as men. We're, we're kind of prone to being like, oh, let's, let's, let me figure this out. I've done it many times. <clears throat> But it's not who God wants us to be. 
you're coming back to the church at Laodicea. So, how do I see myself? Do I see myself as the person who is, who is just satisfied? It's all good. I'm just good the way it is. Where am I letting God do his work in my heart? And am I letting him take me through the fire? Even though it doesn't feel good, do I see the result on the other side? You know, sometimes we do that, but we have to do that by faith. And, and that's, that's sometimes so hard to see. You know, when, you, when, you, when God wants to do something and we don't want to do it, and he's saying, but do it by faith. Just step out in faith. I can change your circumstances. But we back away. Why? Because we physically, in our mind at least, we don't see the result on the other side. <clears throat> but once you take that step of faith, you allow God to do it. You come through the fire, and suddenly you see the white raiment on the other side. You know, the reward is there. And God's Word tells us the reward is there. But too many times, we don't want to see, we don't want to look at, at it that way. We want to look at it as what I can see or what I can feel. And that's why, that's why our human nature wants to enter in. And it wants to, to take control because then I can see it, I can feel it, I can figure out a way. Um, <clears throat> but we have to let God do His work and figure out the way. And we simply follow. You know, God is the one who has set the rules. God is the one who has given us the Word. He's just asking us to follow. He's not asking us to figure out the, all the rules and to make the rules. He's saying, follow me. I've already done that. Um, and so instead of us trying to figure out the way, trying to make a way for our circumstances or what we think should, it should look like or do, <clears throat> we need to just simply believe that God has made the way and not me. I'm just asked to follow. I'm not asked to make the way. <clears throat> and so this morning in our what does what does my personal ambitions and goals in life really look like? <clears throat> Are my personal goals, my ambitions, the things that I want to accomplish or do or be or uh, whatever, however you want to word that, what do they look like? Is it what God wants? You know, do I lay everything out for Him? Or am I holding these things back because I want to do it my way? I want to do what I want to do. You know, we've all been there. We've all, we've all found ourselves in that place where we do what we want to do because we think it's the right way and we have it all figured out. <clears throat> and so I want to just leave this challenge. If we found ourselves straying 
Maybe God isn't as real as he once was. Maybe we need to come to the foot of the cross. Maybe we need to find ourselves. Being renewed, we've become lukewarm. The fire that was once there is no longer there. You know, if we find ourselves in that place, God is telling us repentance is the answer. And when we repent, He's there. And He becomes the answer. And uh, sure, it takes work on our part sometimes. And sometimes it takes more work than we want to put into it. But <clears throat> as, we, as we rise to the occasion of allowing God to change us and shape us and mold us into the person He wants us to be, we can be everything He wants us to be. Um, he does the work, not us. And so, let's allow God to change us. Let's allow God to do the work in our lives. Um, he wants to do it. He's there. He wants to pick up the broken pieces and put it back together. But too often we hinder Him because we don't want to go through the pain. And, uh, and so, maybe it is painful. But let's let God do the work. Um, Let's let Him change us, and not our own agenda, our own ideas, uh, things that, that to us feel good, look like the right way, but in the end they become a disappointment. And so, let's let God's fire burn in us. Let's let Him light that fire. And. Let him do the work in my life. He wants to do it. We just hinder him at times. And so, let's not be the Laodiceans that are so satisfied with everything, feeling good, it's all there. He said, that's not the way. I have the gold and I have the white raiment, but you have to allow me. And so, it can be a painful experience, but God's word is there and it is the answer. And so, I just want to challenge you with that. Um, if God speaks to you today and you need help to find a way, um, find somebody to help you because there is a right way. God bless each of you.